All right. So on the Project Fit podcast today, we have Tejul, um, who's mainly online, I believe, but also does some in-person PT. And I think we're going to cover some myths today. Um, so Tejul, take it away. Tell us about you and what you do. So, Greg, thank you for firstly inviting me into your podcast. Um, so I am Tejul from TejFit. And I am an online body transformation coach. As you correctly said, most of my work is online, um, but I am also a one-to-one PT. I am a middle-aged mum of two who has only in the last few years got into, actually, I'm going to scratch that, not got into, but become seriously passionate about fitness and health and well-being specifically for mums and women. Okay. Awesome. I co- yeah, go on, carry on, carry on. Yeah, it's basically just the fact that I come from a corporate background. This was like, fitness was uh, almost something I was allergic to growing up. And <laughs> I was that girl who wrote those notes from my parents to okay. my PE teacher to get out of PE lessons. And it pretty oh, much wow. followed through to my adult life. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine... And um, yeah, because I got postnatal depression and I got into fitness to try and fight that, I realized that actually, oh my God, this is the magic formula that most women out there don't have a clue about. Um, So essentially, I decided that I wanted to get out there and put the word out. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So generally, you're working with mums, I guess, is probably your end women in general is who you generally work with right so yeah those are the people that that find tend to find me yes (laughs) and and okay cool so i guess my first question is when when they come to you what's the biggest kind of questions that they ask you so that's a really good question actually greg there's a lot of questions obviously um because they 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 perceive that it's just not possible to fit everything into their day. So their first question is, how do you fit it all into your day? The workouts, the mm-hmm. meal prepping, the spending time on yourself, plus your family, plus your career, plus family and everything else that, you know, mums these days have to contend with and juggle. Yeah. It's almost like a circus act. We become, literally become circus acts. Yep, trying to juggle everything and trying to squeeze everything in. Yep. Yep. So what do you tell them? So it's a case of, I know this is a big thing for women, especially women of my culture, but you've got to be selfish. Okay. You've got to be selfish. And I know that's, you know, not advice that people generally give, Mm. but you do because as, especially, like I said, uh, women from my culture, we're seen to be the people that, need to do everything for everyone else you have to think about the people in your family you have to do help the people around you you're looking after everyone that's surrounding you in your life but actually what about you so just to clarify because obviously people can't see you at the minute because obviously we haven't got video for you today but um just what is your background like where are you what's your cultural background so I am Indian, and if we want to get specific, I'm Gujarati, I'm Hindu, and so... Yeah, that's perfect. I, yeah, so massive cultural um, pre, 
preconceived ideas that are fed into us from a very young age, um, from quite orthodox upbringing. And I think most of the women in our area of Harrow, Northwest London, will get that, especially around this sort of mum, middle-aged time of your life. You kind of, our parents were old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. They were brought up in that way. Yep. And we are raised with exactly those values. But I know that my mum never made time for herself and she struggled. Mm. I saw her struggle mentally and now physically as she's getting older. Okay. And what kind of things has she struggled with? Is it just kind of joint pain, arthritis? Um, so she, she's had digestive issues, bone issues, very weak bones. Okay. So, and, and obviously the, you know, general body deterioration that we could delay very easily, but not, um, you know, by not being active and taking care of your health for mm. the longest period of time, yeah. you, you aren't able to do that. And obviously you hit that age. My mum hit about her late fifties and all of a sudden everything started just cropping up and slowing yeah. her down. And at that age, I, I sort of put myself in her shoes. I was like, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in my 50s feeling like life is, is basically on the way down now. When that's nowadays, that's not, that's not old at all. Yeah, I totally agree. 50s is like you're just starting the party, right? New 30. Yeah, don't, totally. It's the age where, you know, you financially hopefully um you're freer your kids are older so you don't have that sort of responsibility that intense responsibility anyway they're doing their own thing and you've got more time to make for yourself and and enjoy your life um and i don't want to call it the twilight years because that's clearly not but you you've got that time you're probably going to be hopefully around for another 35 40 years um and to then have your health go and slow you the hell down that's, that's not something that I personally would want to go through. Don't like seeing my mum go through it or my grandmother. And I'd love to help other women to avoid that also and, and be living the best of their lives for as long as possible. Okay, awesome. So um, I think we, how did we start talking? I think we started talking through um, probably Instagram and stuff, right? I think so, yeah. Then, <laughs> probably on Facebook also, seeing regular yeah, posts, then, right? <laughs> Shelly down the road and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I know. And then obviously, you know, there's things like transformation that we're we're in and sometimes regularly contribute to. So what's the biggest myth surrounding fitness that you encounter um, from the clients that you have or you have interaction with? So more recently, as I've been focusing on um, my online side of the business, I have come across more people that think that cutting carbs out of their diet completely is the only way that they're, or the best way that they're going to lose weight. Yeah. And some people refer to it as keto. Some people just say they cut out the carbs, but essentially we're talking the same thing. And just on that, because I have quite a few Gujarati clients as well. So the fact that the majority are vegetarian Mm-hmm. Yeah, just and, like me. Yeah, and, and they like their rotli. <laughs> yeah, see, I've got skills. I got skills. You do. <laughs> I think to, to be in this area, you you need to have the skills, Greg. 
that's true that's true but yeah they, they teach me um pretty well i'm learning i'm learning um good so to, to obviously try and get carbs totally out of your diet from a kind of a cultural dna lifestyle just it's, it's just really really tough right so the carb thing isn't the biggest issue in our diet. You know what I'm finding is the biggest issue for vegetarian Indian people is getting enough protein. Okay. Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I, like none of my clients, I, will, I don't advocate restriction of any food groups. You yeah. should be hitting all three of your macros throughout the day because that's what your body needs and wants. Yep. That's mm-hmm. totally. for your optimum health. That's what's going to work. Unless you've got specific health issues. If you are, you know, normal, average Joanna blogs off the street, your health is generally okay. You should be hitting all three, you know, macros and all food groups to make sure that you are functioning at your optimum. Yep. When we talk Indian vegetarian diets, what a lot of Gujarati people tend to think is that our beans and pulses are... The, the best protein that you can access. But actually, we know that those beans and pulses and lentils are mostly carbs. Yep. So they end up then having carbs with carbs with carbs. So you've got your rookie, like you said. <laughs> you've, got your, <laughs> you've got your lentils, your beans, your pulses, whichever one you're eating, that's carbs. Again, heavy carbs with some protein, of course, with then rice, which is carbs. Yeah. So- and then... It's, it's just, that's what the bulk of their meals tend to be made up of. And it's not, it's not their fault. It's what, again, what they've been raised with mm-hmm. and seeing their families eat. But more so as we sort of, as, as our generation gets a bit more savvy about what's out there. And of course, with the massive blow up of all these meat-free um, substitutes, it's becoming less of an issue to get those protein fixes yeah totally agree totally agree but without constantly carving up to the hill and making your diet all about that i think one of the things i i often see is is about portions right so um i was at an indian wedding um, a little while ago and the portions were like out of this world you can't you i don't know you can't see me but i've got like my hands about three foot wide because the portion sizes were massive it's great food by the way but that's yeah. I think another thing i think the from what i've observed anyway um eating is a very uh, social thing and it's always that one that's like eat more eat more eat more yeah uh, we we are yeah. a culture of feeders yeah <laughs> i think that's a really big challenge as well is, is when you're in that environment where you're being offered more food um, and having to try and say no to know or to know when you're full, to know when you're um, satisfied. I think that's a really big one. Yeah, I, the, the mo- main issue that I have most of my clients come across is, oh, but they'll feel bad if I say no. Yeah. But actually, who will feel bad if you don't say no? You. Uh, yep. That's a good point. Who are, who are you serving? When you keep saying yes to people, you have to remind yourself, who is this serving? When I say yes to you, what am I saying to myself? Nice. So true. So true. And it kind of goes back to that cultural piece you were talking about earlier. So 
All right, and just go stay on the myths because I think it's important for people to hear this stuff. Um, what What's the next big one that you hear often? So the other thing, obviously, that I've come across is not eating after a certain time yep. of the day. So, you know, it, it, specifically no carbs after 6 p.m. That's a big one. That one comes up a lot. As if the calories of carbs shoot up at one minute past six every evening. I thought it was 20 seconds past six. Yeah, okay, well, it it possibly could be. So you have that 26-second window to eat as many carbs as you can after six before (laughs) before they become your big bugbear in in your weight loss. It's crazy. No calories stay exactly the, the same every single hour of the day. If you're in a deficit, you can pretty much eat at any point in the day and still lose weight or transform your body that's that's not an issue mm-hmm. it's obviously the case if you're you know at after 6 p.m or up to 6 p.m you've eaten for your calorie deficit and then anything after 6 p.m puts you into the surplus then yes you will put on weight but you could eat like you know three buckets of spinach after 6 p.m and if you put it if it puts you in the surplus Yes, it's not going to help you lose weight because of that surplus, not because it's a carb or it's a fat or whatever it is that you think that's going to happen after that time. Yeah, I think on the flip side of that, actually, one of the things I'm observing more is actually the flip side of that, which is actually about intermittent fasting. Yes. Like all of a sudden, we've, we've now called skipping breakfast a flashy name. We call it intermittent fasting, and that's going to be <laughs> your, for everything. Um, and, you know, it, people are using it to restrict their eating window so they don't eat too much food. Like, that's it. Yeah, but if in that window, yes, your eating period goes from, you know, 14 hours to eight hours. So you think that you have, you're going to consume less. But it actually, what happens is I've found that a lot of people tend to make worse choices, A, because they're so hungry by the time they open their eating window that they make rubbish choices because of that. Yeah. And then those choices seem to then knock on for the rest of that eight-hour eating window, putting them, although that eating window is so much smaller than it used to be, it's got calorie-intense foods. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think where, where you probably, especially if you grew up in the UK, right? And I know my mum, for example, wouldn't make let me leave the house unless I had my cereal. Yeah. So then when I started to switch in my later life to, you know, maybe not having breakfast all the time, I was starving by about 10 o'clock. Um, and then, you know, the office feeder would come round with the flapjacks, et cetera, about 11 o'clock. And I'd be like, and oh, what you're saying? I need to eat that. Because I, because yeah. I was skipping breakfast. So I think things like fasting have to be done with the right person at the right time. And it's an individual yeah. thing. You can't just take a mass approach to it, which is what I think is happening now. Um, and I think what happens is people will see the success that someone's gained yep. in fasting and they'll, and they'll go, oh, well, it's just a cookie cutter for everybody to then go, oh, yeah, well, just do intermittent fasting. That's what I did. Right, exactly. I mean, I will say that I have a lot of clients 
that really can't function if they eat first thing in the morning. It just makes them really lethargic. They can't, they just can't get on board with eating breakfast first thing in the morning. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. For those people, it doesn't need to be called intermittent fasting. They're just eating when they're ready. Yeah. And like, that's all it is. They're just eating when they're ready to start <laughs> eating for their day. Yeah, I think, and one of the big things is, you know, people talk about our oh, world of health benefits of fasting and stuff. And yeah, there are some, in fact, you know, that it can obviously help with insulin sensitivity and stuff. But then people just start developing all these wild claims because they read an article by Shelley down the road. Like people just need to Well, it works for Shelley down the road, so why not? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. People, I, I need to bring her back. I'm going to bring her back soon. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we've, we've killed most of the myths for the second. So just talk to me about training and what training looks like for you and, and how do you train? So currently, I mean, if you follow me on my Instagram, my, my, the bulk of my training is weight training, strength training. Mm -hmm. That's my bag. And yes, I found it later in life, but oh my God, did I fall in love with it. And it's one of the things that I am really desperate to get women into. Not because, you know... I want to look like muscle, Lucy muscle bound. It's nothing to do with that. There are so many other health benefits, increasing your bone density, warding off things like osteoporosis, which is a massive issue for South Asian women. Oh, is it? I didn't because, know. It was, I didn't know. Yes. Huge. Yep. Huge. Osteoporosis is a huge thing. Both my mum and my grandmother suffer from it. So it's quite close to home and yeah. they're both on um, meds, really tough meds for it. So, the fact that um, you can actually prevent that by picking up some weights yeah. is, is something that I, I would advocate any Asian woman to do, as well as obviously all women. Yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, for function as well. Uh, like, like I said, my, my mother is having issues um, just moving like she used to, getting up and off her chair and getting out of bed and, and things like that. Being able to strength train, really focusing on form and technique helps you engage those muscles and work them and strengthen them so that just your normal bodily functions can continue the older you get. Yeah, you're trying to remain independent for the rest of your oh life. Oh God, yes, yes. Sometimes people just associate the method of training with, especially nowadays with weight loss, it's that whole aesthetics thing. And don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. hey, everyone wants to look good. Um, but I think people need to look at training as, training as your health is part yeah. of it. First uh, and foremost, it's the health, it's the fitness, and it's the massive long-term benefits that will come from it. Then of course, yes, the aesthetics, it will, it will give you aesthetic changes and that's just wonderful. But from my perspective and from a lot of the women that I work with, that once they've started strength training, they just love the way it makes them feel and the, the strength that they gain. So although they came on board for the aesthetic changes, yep. that actually becomes the bonus. Yes, I like it. Yeah, definitely. It's all about how you feel. Yeah. Necessarily. But I think... Um, because I think there's a big thing amongst women generally that, you know, you have to sweat loads and you have to be dying in a pool of sweat before it was... On the treadmill, on the yeah. treadmill, on the bike, you know, cardio, spinning, spinning. Oh my gosh, yes. They think that you have to be putting that much into 
your time and your heart rate has to be at that level for a couple of hours a day before your body will actually start changing. But, and that's great. That's great if you want to become just a smaller version of yourself. And cardio fitness is really important. Yes, of course. But you want to change your physique. You want to be functional. You've got to add in some resistance. You've got to add in your strength training to complement that. Definitely, definitely. I think, um, and it, there's a big thing where I think people often need to train less because what people don't realize is that training is a stress. And yes. Most of the people I work with anywhere are stressed to the hill already. So yes. just add in to add in a whole load of, you know, fairly stressful training is probably not what they need. So actually probably need to train less um, and then start chilling out a bit. Walking, yeah. cardio, get out of the house, get in nature. Active recovery, yes, 100%. It's just as important to rest and recover mm. because then you can give your all to those less frequent sessions. Yeah. Definitely. You know, that's, that's the whole point. Make them intense, make them short so that you can give it that intensity, give it your all. And then you need to give your body a chance to recover, your muscles to repair so that you come back stronger the next time. So, so what are the biggest mistakes you see that people make in the gym that you've seen? Uh, cardio, cardio bunnies. That's, that's the biggest thing that I see. Um, they, like literally I was at the gym last week and I saw the same woman there every time I was in there and she was on the treadmill then she was on the cross trainer then she was on the bike and then the step machine and she was there for like from what everyone else was saying she was there for about two and a half hours every single day doing exactly that and you know she yes you could see that she what her body was changing she was losing weight but she was just becoming skinny fat. Okay. So not much muscle mass. No muscle mass at all. Everything was, and I hate to use this word because it, it's, it's just, it, it does, it's not a nice word, but everything was just saggy, you know? Yeah. There yeah. was no muscle underneath to hold everything up and tight and, you know, look lean and strong. It was just, a lot of skin sagging around a smaller version of who she was. I guess the big challenge of, with that situation is that that person in that particular moment, A, thinks they're doing the right thing, um, and B, is comfortable doing what they're doing. Yes, that's the such a key thing. You, it's the comfort thing, and, and I'm glad you touched on that because... I, most of my clients that I onboard, they, most of them have, ne have never stepped into a gym, Greg, and have a real fear of it. Yeah. And honestly, it is such a joy when they step just a little bit outside of their comfort zone and step into the gym and do their first workout. And then they are, you know, they do a 180 and it's like, oh my God, I don't know why I was so scared. And I, it is the best thing for me to hear as a coach that that light bulb has gone off in that person, in that client. And their confidence levels, just by stepping out of that comfort zone and then realizing that actually it wasn't so bad, makes them see that in every aspect of their life, 
they've probably been boxing themselves up in, in a very small area of comfort and holding themselves back across so many different things just because they had this fear of just stepping outside of that box. Well, I guess everything transfers from one thing to the other, right? Once you make a physical change, it often goes into your, into your mental psyche as well. Oh, very much so. They kind very of, much so. You know, they kind of, um, it's almost like an infinity loop. It's like yin and yang and they just roll into each other. But yep. yeah, you find that once people get confident in their training in the gym, then it, they start to do other stuff in work, relationships, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, yep. do, do the stuff that gets you out of your comfort zone. Definitely, definitely. Do you, I was just thinking though, because obviously I know you're on Instagram a lot and obviously we're surrounded by the fitness influencers, as we call them, yep. uh, all the gurus. What's your thoughts on a lot of those and what you see out there from a, in the social media world? So, yes, you're right. There are a lot of fitness influencers and most of them tend to be quite young. Mm -hmm. You know, they're uni students, they're in their early 20s and they're pushing a lot of their, the way that they think that the world works onto the masses. And... You know, that seems to be what people buy into because it's like you see this hot young thing and you want to look like her. So let's just do whatever she's selling. Yeah. And in reality, you have to remember that a lot of these women who are watching these, these young fitness influencers aren't as young as them. They have been through childbirth. They're, they have other responsibilities in their lives and other stresses. So what worked for that fitness influencer isn't necessarily going to work for them. Yeah. And this is, this is why I felt like I had to go in and share the formula because I'm a mum. I've had, I've been in the corporate world in a job. I've, been juggling everything in my life and still managed to do it and I feel like the the way that the, the fitness influencers sell their wares is very different from the real life approach that a lot of women my age are going to experience yeah well they can't be in the gym often six times a week well I guess they could but it's not going well, to be practical for them to do that, is it? So 100%. You need to look at, right, you know, and obviously injury history, health, illness that they've had in the part. You can't, you can't just get all that from an Instagram screen, unfortunately, which is the problem. No. No. Um, and then you've got six-week Shelly saying, look, do my booty band course and you'll get glutes like me and you're sitting there just going, yeah. you, know, you know, that person's been deadlifting and all sorts to get those groups. That's it. Yeah, I did an IG week course. Yeah, I, I did an IG post, uh, IGTV post on that a few months ago where I was just like, look, don't be fooled. These women, they look amazing. They're selling you their resistance band workouts and their home workouts, but you're not going to get a body like that by doing those free workouts that they're giving out. Yeah. They put a lot more into it that they don't show you. 
they push a lot harder than you see on their screen. So, you know, yes, these people could absolutely be showing the absolute 360 degree view of what they're doing to give an actual real life view of how they got there, but they're not doing that. Yeah, well, I think social media is all about, you know, people will, sh people will show the best bits. Your, your highlights. Yeah, people show the best. Yeah, the yeah. highlights of your life. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and that's what makes it a really tenuous place to be because it messes with people's heads. You're comparing yeah. your real life against someone else's show reel, essentially. Yeah, the Matrix. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's, it's an unfair comparison and, you know, you have to be extremely mentally resilient to not let that affect you. Yeah, definitely. And just understand that, yeah, it, it, you're not with that person 24 hours a day, so you don't know what they do. Yep. Yeah. This is why I try and make my stuff as real as possible. You know, I, I will go and work my ass off at the gym. I don't wear makeup. I have my kids. Things are a mess most of the time. <coughs> but that's, that's my life. That's exactly how it is. So what am I going to achieve by not by, by hiding the real life stuff from my followers? Yeah, definitely. So one thing that I saw pop up in the group that we are both in, I'm trying to be politically. <laughs> I can hear the cogs turning. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to make sure. So there was a big blow up about, um, artificial sweeteners. So it's a really big yes. thing. What a bit mental. Um, and I think the big challenge for a lot of people is just going back to social media and the, and the media in general is when you when they look at studies and stuff about let's just say sweeteners, what they don't see is what what the study and how the study was made up to get the result mm -hmm. that it got. Yep. So, for example, it might be that. Um, I don't know. So I think there was one study where it was done on rats. But the headline was that aspartamine will kill you. Yeah. Well, actually, it killed rodent rat. And I think people need to understand that what they see in the media isn't always the full story, a bit like the Instagram uh, gurus. Yep. Don't forget, you also have to look at who's sponsoring these studies. Yep, it's another good point. Yep, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But the aspartame thing, Jesus, do you know how much you'd have to consume for it to kill you? Yeah, and I, you know, I think if, 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 I mean, you have to meet people where they're at. So if I've got a client who's drinking six, and we'll call it full fat cans of Coke a day, and I can get them onto maybe the like, one or two Diet Cokes a week, then that's a big change for a lot of people. Yep. So one or two isn't going to make a, such a big difference if we're fixing No, them. not at all. Not even, to be fair, you'd have to be drinking probably over 12 cans a day for it to become a real issue for your body. Yeah. But um, for me, even the whole demonization of sugar is just unnecessary. It's not just sweeteners for me. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about sugar. Go on, let's go in. Come on, come on, get it out. Well, honestly, when people are like, cut all sugar out. Okay, I get it. You know, yes, clearly, 
sourcing your sweetness from natural sources is better for your body. But if you, I have so many people that say, I've cut out everything. So I don't eat fruit. I don't, oh, but I can't have this because it's, it's got natural sugars in it. And I'm like, are you serious? Unless you have specific health issues, you do not need to worry about this at all. You've come to me because you want to change your body. Even if you had real sugar and we managed it within your meal guidance, you would still change your body with that sugar included in your diet, whether it's sugar, sweetener, whatever you bloody want to call it. So that what they're doing is they're demonizing sugar as an, yet another thing that they think will be an easy fix for them, i.e. I will cut this out and I will lose weight, or I will cut this out and I will all of a sudden feel like Wonder Woman. And, and just on that point, I think that's a really big issue. So what, like, as you said, what people do, they'll pick out one thing, sugar, but won't worry about their stress, their sleep, oh, exercise. It's such a small percentage that it's going to affect you. Yes, pick the big things, the big ticket items. And the one key thing that you just said is sleep. Yep. Sleep. You know, a lot of these women will sit there and cut out sugar. I, sh I shouldn't say women. A lot of people will cut out sugar. No, we, we're talking about women. You, you said it now. You can't take it back. So. <laughs> but just generally, it's, it's not just women. But you <laughs> cut the sugar out. But, you know, you're getting like four or five hours of less than optimum quality sleep a night. You're going to fare so much better overall in life by taking your focus over to building a better sleep routine and getting quality sleep for a decent amount of time every night. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, you know, I mean, obviously, unless I've got someone who's eating like seven chocolate bars a day, which is very rare, actually. I don't know, in America it might be. But here, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, why are we talking about sugar for the minute? Like, yeah, let's talk about the fact that you don't actually get out of your house or you don't, you've got a sedentary job or... Let's talk about the fact that you're stressed to the nines or yep. said, you don't sleep very often or very much. So why don't we talk about all that stuff or maybe not hydrated or yeah, all of these other big picture things rather than let's yep. focus on the, you know, the one big bit, ticket you know, items, the sugar, Get back to the big ticket your, item. Yeah. The sugar in your apple is probably not going to be the big issue for your life. <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one someone said to me the other day it was about the fact that the sugars in a red apple in a green apple were more than the sugars in a red apple and i'm like seriously in the big scheme of people's lives you know that's not gonna make a big difference chill your boots yep like, you do need to be a little bit less focused on the stuff the the, the small stuff and just focus on the stuff that will actually impact you with very little change. But is, is, is that the issue though, that we want to, maybe it's a human trait that we want to pin the blame on one thing. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. We, we as humans create crutches all over the shop in our lives. Yep. And we, yeah, we put it all on that one crutch, but there's 50 others that we, <laughs> that we've created that we're hiding from as well. Yep. Definitely, yeah. So definitely a big one, especially the classic one where um, 
you must have had this Greg I'm eating healthy but I can't lose weight yes every single questionnaire that comes back I eat healthy but I'm still not losing weight Mm. and okay talk to me about what your healthy looks like yeah get specific what does your healthy look like because if you're sitting there telling me that you eat an avocado for three meals a day along with the rest of your food yeah that is healthy but there is there is a fine line between eating healthy and eating what you need to to get to your goals yeah i think there's a fine line there's a there is a there is a line definitely between eating for health and eating for fat loss i think there's a line that people don't understand and they cross over all the time people minds they don't really understand like you say if you're eating like five avocados a day on top of all your regular meals then that might be a bit of a challenge for you just a bit considering well you know wellness guru something double barrel name said that i had to eat all my avocados well yeah you of course of course you know let's put it this way you go out for a burger you, you know, a lot of these vegan, new vegan places serve up um, burger, plant-based patties with, um, instead of a bun, they will use an avocado sliced into half and you put the patty in between and that's your new style vegan burger and it's a healthy meal. Actually, if you put that blooming plant-based patty into a 100, 120 calorie burger bun versus that 270 calorie avocado (laughs) (laughs) yep i see exactly where you're going tell tell me which one that you would go for most people who say they're eating healthy would choose that patty in the avocado bun oh definitely yeah because they have been sold that notion that the avocado is healthier and the problem is is that what they haven't looked at is your calories, if you're chasing a body transformation and health, there's, that burger bun is not unhealthy. It's yeah. not unhealthy as long as you are pairing it with other micronutrients that will help your, you help your body. Yeah, definitely. I think, and there's also that mental health as well, that you know, people trying to eat too perfectly that they get too stressed. It's like, well, I can't have, I've got to have my avocado bun. And, but everyone else has got some chips on their plate and they're sitting there going, oh, I can't have some chips because carbs, sugar, whatever, the worry that is, um, there's a mental aspect to it as well. Yeah, then you do find that people sometimes can get a little bit too obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. And again, there's another fine line between knowing when you can and need to say no because it doesn't serve you and feeling like you are always missing out. Yeah, definitely. Because, because genuinely, you know, I, I'm quite a flexible eater. I will, yes, I track my macros and I, I will generally keep an eye on my calorie intake because I've got certain goals that I want to reach. But if, if I fancy something that's, you know, not on my plan of food for the day I will I will ask myself the question is this going to support my goals or is this going to hinder me towards my goals and I'll assess whether uh, how much I want it and if I you know what if I want that chocolate chip cookie that day I'll have it 
it's not going to sabotage me to, you know, yeah. to another level of, of adding another year onto my goals. Yes, it will, you know, slow me down a little bit if I'm having it every single day. Yeah. But it, again, it comes down to what your expectations are and what you're able to deal with mentally. Uh, and I think, and, go on, carry on. And it, you find that most people who put that much restriction on themselves, they go out and then they binge. Definitely. Something will trigger and then they will just binge. I've had clients that have been on three, four day binges. Yeah, because they can't have some chocolate because their yeah. diet plan says no chocolate. Um, and I think it's one of the things that I find that people have to do is they have to actually make sure they're, you have to be conscious about something until it becomes unconscious. Um, so yeah, like you said, you were talking about tracking your food. It's really interesting to know that whenever people ask me, Greg, how do I lose weight? And whenever I mention you know, taking note, I've, you know, food diary, pictures, or using an app to track your food and just see what you're actually taking in. It, people don't seem to like it. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to track my food. Mm. Um, but there's got to be another way. And then that's when you come up with the, I'll cut carbs, whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah. They find it easier to do that. The thing is, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a massive advocate of counting your macros and counting calories. I'll tell you why. I don't do it religiously like I used to because I've, I've got to know my body. Yep. But you, without tracking what you eat, you won't know what your baseline is. Yep. It's like looking at your bank account and not know. It's like having a bank account and not knowing what's in it. Exactly. You don't just go and spend and spend and spend and then wait for that, you know, that warning well, actually, or hit people, the overdraft and, actually, and not be able to take actually some people do to be honest yeah <laughs> that's their problem but then yeah that is a problem but the thing is without counting or without actually tracking what your normal day looks like you won't know where where you need to start yeah i totally agree with you so so you if you really are anti it don't track it, but at least just make a food diary. Write down what you're eating so that you can see with your own eyes. It's on paper. And actually, a lot of realization comes from just seeing it down, um, written down, where you are managing to sneak in things that probably are not helping you overall with your health, fitness, or goals. So at that point, for example, if you know that you have three cups of tea a day, and with those three cups of tea a day, you generally have um, three digestive biscuits. Um, no, custard creams, man. What's wrong with you? Custard okay. Cream. I mean, to be fair, I'm not, unless it's chocolate chip, it ain't even on my radar. <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but if you then notice that actually those three cups of tea always accompany those biscuits, then what do you think you need to do to improve that on that day's food? You just yeah. need to, I, you know, it doesn't even have to be cut out all biscuits. Even if you reduce each cup of tea down to two biscuits from three, that's progress. Yeah. And then you can go from the two to the one, and then you can go to only having it once a day. As long as you are conscious 
about what your current state is and how you can improve on that, you will get change. You will get progress and you will be able to find yourself a way of getting to your goals without it being a real task. Yeah. Well, people want to do a big overhaul, don't they? And then they get overwhelmed by it. So that's a big problem, I think. Well, there are some people who really thrive on the overhaul and that's great. And like, I'm, I'm a creature of routine. It works for me. For someone else, it may not. But that's, you've got to find the formula that works for you. And this is why I like, I like doing the coaching thing because I help my clients to find their formula. It's not cookie cutter. It's not something that you apply to every single person and expect it to work. Yeah. You find everyone's magic point. And then go from there. And go from there. Cool, cool. All right. So, Tejal, this has been awesome. Um, just tell people where they can find you. Um, I think we need to continue this conversation. At, at the gym. <laughs> so, yeah. So, just tell people where they can find you. So, you know, Instagram, Facebook, where they find you. Yeah. So, basically, on Instagram, my handle is at Tej underscore fit. Also, on Facebook, it's Tej dash fit. And if you want to find me in person, it's generally at the gym. <laughs> no, it's not. It's oh, not. Oh, which, which gym? Hang on, there's a million of gyms. I know. Oh, God, no. I'm not having my gym hoarded. I, I need oh. access to all my equipment. <laughs> so, um, no, no. Uh, you know what? Actually, that's the thing. People do think I live in the gym, and I, I really don't. So that's why I make a joke of it. But yeah, those are those two are my main social media places that people can find me, follow me, contact me. Um, yeah, I'm I'm always good for a contact or a question. Cool, awesome. Thank you for being a guest. And um, you're yeah, so welcome. Thank, thank you for inviting me. This conversation again soon, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. I'm sure there's lots of things that are going to crop up to give us um, more to talk about. <laughs> there's a whole lot. This is just the intro. This is the intro. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Greg. Take care. Talk soon. Bye-bye.